Parsons, you're listening to No Names All Game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of No Names All Game. Today is Monday, October 24th, and your Nittany Lions are 6-1 and one after a dominant victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Can't speak today. 45-17 in front of a sold-out, white-out crowd. Exactly what we needed. My name is Chris Hankin, joined as always by my co-host Pat Calicchio. Pat, vibes are significantly better on this episode than they were last week. How are you feeling, my friend? Oh, they are. And let me tell you, that game, it was... It was refreshing. It was beautiful, but it most of all, it was necessary, man. Getting that W after getting absolutely shellacked by Michigan, but most importantly, having the bounce back that we're not used to seeing from this team after a loss. It was so necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I was there. I was in attendance. The, uh, the atmosphere was electric as always with the whiteout. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, it was just a fun game. You know, obviously a little bit of struggle. The first couple of drives had me nervous. I won't lie. I was a little scared of the stands, um, but the offense found their groove. The defense played exceptional um, and gave us what we needed. Like you said, we talked a lot about uh, the tendency and, and the trend of Franklin after a first loss in the season, losing another one and having the team come out flat. Um, this is exactly what we needed. So there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we will give out our awards. We'll talk about the whiteout atmosphere, what it means for the program. Uh, I'll talk about the booze that happened pregame, which were ridiculous. Uh, you, you won't find me arguing that one at all. That was absurd. Uh, but let's start where we always do with our MVP award or the lion, as we like to call it. Pat, I have a feeling I know who yours is going to be. Tell the people who it is. Right, baby. It's, it's the only man it can be. It's Sean Clifford. Guy goes out there, he completes 75% of his passes for 300 yards, four touchdowns. He throws the one bad interception. Then he comes back and he plays pretty lights out. Throws a great, a, more than one great deep ball. Uh, like, you know, what is, has been his Achilles heel throughout his career. Uh, he was consistent throughout the game. Again, the other thing every fan has complained about when it comes to Sean Clifford. And he did it all after you absolute clowns booed him. Yeah, so I, I want to make something very abundantly clear. And I don't clear. mean I, you. I know, I know, I know. I knew you did it, but I want to make it clear because people who listen to this podcast know my stance on the QB situation and have heard me talk about Sean Clifford. I was not one of the ones booing. I literally was in my seat. They're putting the names up on the Jumbotron for the starting lineup. And I start hearing boos. I look up, I see Clifford's face on the Jumbotron. And I literally look to my friend next to me. I go, are they fucking booing? Like I was blown away. Uh, he got booze. Franklin got booze, which I mean, why are you there, man? Like, what? why are you at the game if you're going to boo your starting lineup? I boo lineup? you if you booed. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I boo you back. Um, I, I told a guy on Twitter he stinks. Not going to lie. I, as you should. That's a that's a pretty good bird. You stink. I, I saw that well, he, back and forth. <laughs> he said Clifford stinks. I said, you, you fucking stink, dude. Great, <laughs> great, great. Great comeback. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, there are certain things to boo for. Like, if you want to boo after an interception, I probably won't agree with you, but maybe it's warranted. If you want to boo after, you know, something goes terribly wrong, sure. But before the game even starts, with a sold-out electric whiteout crowd, everyone is there excited to get a big win. Just absurd. Um, so I agree with you. Clifford was the man. Uh, I picked a different line because I knew you were going to go with him. But Clifford finishes 23 of 31, 295 yards passing, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and like you said, he had he had an overall really good day. Um, wins Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week. I tweeted it out. You know, I, I am I wouldn't call myself a hater, but I'm obviously 
on the other side of this conversation a lot. It, it was it was nice to see. Um, and, and doing things that he hasn't, that he's traditionally struggled with. I mean, yeah. that, that touchdown to Par- Parker Washington. I mean, obviously it was a, you know, a contested ball and Parker made a great catch, but I mean, he delivered a strike downfield while about to get hit. Those are all the, all the things he hasn't been able to do throughout his career. Throw under pressure, throw a good deep ball. He did both of them in one play. Uh, he had another great deep ball to Mitch Tinsley. Um, I mean, overall, his, he was really good. Yeah, and, and it's funny, watching, watching some of those live in the stadium, it's, it's so different than what you see when you're watching on TV. When he threw that one up to Parker in the end zone, I was holding my breath. I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be bad. Then I watched it back. It was a very Trace McSorley-esque throw. Yeah. Knew he was about to get hit. Honestly, kind of set his feet pretty nicely. He was kind of falling off a little bit, but like so many times we've seen him before where he just completely falls off his back foot and throws a duck. He stepped into that, knowing he was going to get hit, and gave Parker a chance. And Parker made a tremendous catch. What more can you ask for? Like that, that's what you need. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, it, was, it was really, yeah, it was a well placed ball, it, but it was like pretty perfect. It was a well placed ball that gave our receiver a chance to make a play, and Parker came down with it. That was. Really, really nice. Uh, the one to Tinsley, dime that Tinsley also made a fantastic catch on a one-handed one. And that was on a free play. It was almost, it was almost kind of like Clifford was like, "All right, free play, nothing bad can happen. Let me slay it." Like, awesome, dude. Would love to see that confidence more. Yeah. Um, made a ton of ton of really nice throws over the middle to the tight ends. I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit later. Maybe some awards happening for those guys. Um, this was fun. You know, this, this is. I, I know I expected more backlash on Twitter. I thought I was going to have some people in my mentions like, oh, you, you idiot. You were calling for Drew. Look how good Sean was. Like, I, I'm glad. I'm glad he had a good game. Like people who people who sit there and like still nitpick everything or like make excuses of, oh, well, he won't do that against Ohio State. Like, listen, I've made I've said my piece. I said what I wanted about Drew Aller. I said what I wanted about Sean Clifford. I am going to root for the guy who is on the field, who is starting the game. And he came through. Sean Clifford, you are a lion this week. And, and I think I'm correct in saying that, like, Sean wasn't out there throwing these balls. And you're like, ah, oh, I should be Drew in there. Like, no, God, no. He, when he's playing like that, he deserves to be playing. And I think we sure. all agree. Yeah. yeah. And, and at this point, like, that conversation's over. Like, obviously, he's starting next week after Ohio State. We'll see what happens. We'll revisit. But, like, glad he got this under his belt. I'm sure this gives him a lot of confidence going into Ohio State. If you come out after the beatdown for Michigan and you lay another stinker, even if it's like a close win, but he performs really badly, that momentum or lack thereof carries over into the next game. So this, I think you said it this best. Was huge. It was necessary. I think, I think that's the perfect word. So yeah. Shout out Sean Clifford. Um, like I said, I knew you were going to pick him. So I went to, I went to the other side of the ball. My line is going to Curtis Jacobs. Um, absolute monster performance on the defensive side of the ball, led the team with 14 tackles, seven of them solo, two tackles for loss. Uh, he was he was right around the line of scrimmage, shutting down Mo Ibrahim all damn night. Uh, and he played, he moved over a different position so that him and Abdul Carter could be on the field at the same time. He rose to the occasion. He's played, I, I always get them confused. I think he was the Sam most of this year. He moved back to the Will. Am I getting that right? Uh, no, he's been the Will. He played Sam this Okay. I, I'm not a Scientologist. I, I, I was going to nominate him for the, uh, the Sean Penn award. 
I am Sam. <laughs> I am Sam. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, he, he, he slides over so you can get your two best athletes on the field. And it worked. Like, they both played tremendously well. Um, and, and he just he, – he did what he needed to do. After a game where we got dominated on the ground, felt like we couldn't wrap up anyone, felt like our linebackers got thrashed. Um, we went with a new lineup. Franklin said it was the, you know, the big box lineup having three true linebackers on the field, which is, I, I thought was kind of an interesting way for him to say it. Um, but it worked and Curtis was the best one of them. You know, he was a five-star recruit. We've seen him play very well. This was one of, if not his best games ever. And, and it was just so much fun to see Curtis Jacobs. You are my lion. Yeah, he was great. And I, I think, I think he is a Sam going forward. You know, I'm sure there's going to be like, you know, some, points in the game where you're going to have him at will and Abdul Carter won't be on the field, but I think, you know, they showed that this, this can be the thing they can, yeah. they can have Curtis Jacobs playing the Sam and be out there for third and long packages when they're playing a nickel. You know, yeah, they I think him over to will on those, the obvious patch, passing situations and he can handle that. Yeah. He's versatile enough. He's talented enough. Um, this was just a really fun game to watch him flying around all over the place. So Curtis Jacobs, shout out to you. Um, all right, let's get to awards. Uh, I have two. Um, I, I kind of almost struggled with awards this week because, like, there were just so many people that I could have given them out to. Um, but let's start with you. What's your first award? I'm going with the Gabe Kaplan Award. Gabe Kapler? Gabe Kaplan. Kaplan. I was like, Gabe Kapler. He's a baseball guy. I don't know where that's going. Uh, I don't know who Gabe Kaplan is. So you're going to have to Gabe walk Kaplan. us through this one. Actor. Lead role. In the TV smash hit, Welcome Back, Cotter. Welcome back, Theo Johnson. Okay, nice, nice. Where the names have all changed since you've been around, but the dreams still remain since you hung around. And the dreams of a tight end room that, that dominates opponents are still here. Yeah. Theo Johnson came back in a big way, man. Some huge plays. Um, he'd been, honestly, up to this point, you know, he hadn't been healthy. And right. up to this point had been actually a little bit of a liability on the offense because, you know, when you're playing two tight ends and one of the, that, that brings people into the box that makes it difficult for a guy like Nick Singleton to have the running room that he needs to be a playmaker. And when that, you know, when one of those two tight ends is not that strong of a run blocker and isn't getting targets, it, it, it's a big problem. And man, did he break that tendency tonight? He, became the threat he needs to be. Not only did he have a great game, but like really importantly, and, and by the way, he was a, uh, even a solid run blocker in the game. He, you know, the thing he's probably struggled with the most is a tight end, but I think almost as important as his performance in the game is what he puts on tape for next week. Ohio state has to respect his ability as a wide receiver coming into this game. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, Theo finishes five catches, 75 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Tyler Warren, uh, you mentioned, you know, the uh, the tight end in general. He had that one catch for 38 yards, big, big touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, Good play on the ball, too. You know, it, yeah. was, it was a, a decent ball, but not perfectly thrown. And he made yeah, it was a little, little underthrown. He, he made sure he got it and, and finished the play, which was great. Um, but Theo, yeah, leading the team in, in receiving yards with 75, having that touchdown. And he was he was old reliable for the first, you know, couple of drives where we started getting the ball moving. He moved the chains two or three times, really nice plays over the middle. Uh, Cliff felt comfortable going to him, which is, you know, so nice when, when we've had trouble finding those medium to deep shots. Um, really, really fun to see. And, and, you know, having him, Brenton Strange, obviously very quiet game, uh, only one catch for five yards, but you've got guys 
that can make a difference. And, and they asked Franklin about this in his pref con press conference, like what changed? Um, and he didn't really lean into it too much. He said, you know, it just kind of depends on what the defense gives you. And, you know, we were able to do it. We didn't really scheme it. We didn't really change things. I don't know if I fully buy that. I think Mike Kiersich saw last week and said, like, I got to get these guys more involved and and probably focused on, on Theo a little bit more early. Um, but, man, what a what a welcome surprise that was to see him ball out. Yeah, I mean, you you, you talked about it. I, You know, I think he must have tried and scheme this because I, as good as our wide receivers are with Tinsley and Parker Washington, they're not, you know, they're not game breakers. They're not guys like going out. They're not getting, like, a lot of separation. They're not mismatch problems they're guys they're they're very good route runners and they can catch contested balls but like your your tight ends your, your theo johnson's and your brenton strangers those are your mismatch issues that you yeah. give a defense so you have to get them involved yeah all right shout out uh theo johnson first award of the day uh my first award this one should be pretty obvious who it's going to we've talked about this is a double we've talked about these guys very often this season on the podcast, but I don't think I've given an award. This is the Batman yeah, and Robin award. This is the Batman and Robin. And Robin. I, I think I know who it is, but I'll let you say it. Hey, you know it. It's the running backs. It is. It is. It's Nick Singleton. It's Katron Allen. Um, these two together are just so much fun to watch. Nick finishes 13 for 79 and two touchdowns. That's 6.1 yards per carry. Also puts in two receptions for 28 yards. Uh, that one screen he had was just beautiful. Um, awesome to see that. Katron, 15 carries for 77 yards, 5.1 yards per carry. Absolutely demolished a dude running Ooh. directly over him, which was awesome. Uh, well, he and then also by the police after that game. Yeah, <laughs> he also had a couple of receptions, three for 13. Um, and I think this game was, you know, I don't know if it's the first time we've seen it, because obviously we know they're both very good. But this was almost like that perfect balance, the perfect harmony of seeing them both execute both get touches and and have the potential of this really two-headed monster and, and see how much they can really complement each other. Um, like the carries, 13 for Nick, 15 for Katron. It's a pretty even split, and they were both able to do what they needed to with the ball in their hands. They were able to get chunk plays. Uh, I think this, this was the first game, Franklin said, where we exceeded our explosive play target. Obviously, a lot of the passes go into that, some of those deep, deep shots that we took. But there were a lot of big runs from both of these two getting 8 to 15 yards of carry. Um, it was just awesome to see. And, and like I said, we've talked about them a lot. I, I don't remember if I've given them an award. So the Batman and Robin award goes to these two. Um, just really excited to see what they do in the future. Love that. Yeah, they, they were great on Saturday. Um... Yeah, you know, there, there were a couple of runs. I don't remember if it was just Nick, if it was both Nick and Katron. Early on, I was like, ah, oh, if you break a tackle there, that's like a huge play. Yes. And then you saw that come later in the game where they were breaking tackles and they were making that first guy miss and they turned into those chunk plays. And it was, it was such a big difference from beginning of the game to the end and from even like the last couple, you know, I would say last week to today. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And, and, and that's the thing that can be frustrating. Like I said, we, we did start a little flat those first couple of drives. It wasn't moving and I was getting scared and then something clicked in that second quarter and, and the floodgates opened up and they were a big part of that, both Nick and Katron. So shout out to those two guys. All right. What's your next award? I'm going with the, uh, the stepping stone award. Okay. We've given this one out in the past. Someone yeah. who is taking a leap, taking a step up. This could Stages. be a, a number of guys. Prestigious stepping stone award. Yeah, who who's this going to? It's going to Adisa Isaac. Nice. Um, you know, he didn't have the loudest game, but this is a guy who I think came in a few years ago with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, like speed rusher off the edge. 
and he's he's dealt with some injuries throughout his career. hasn't been get, hasn't just gotten like the opportunity to shine. I think as much as he wants to. Finishes the day with five solo tackles, a tackle for loss, and a QB hurry. Um, you know, with with Chop Robinson out and uh, the, coming into a Minnesota, you know, offensive line, I think it only given up six sacks on the year. I think we were all really worried about the amount of pressure that the you know amount of pressure and the the amount of uh, you know, push that this defensive line was going to get. How much penetration were they going to get? And Adisa Isaac had probably one of the better games of his career. Uh, I, I think that this could absolutely be, uh, you know, a sign of things to come for him. Yeah, yeah, love seeing that. Obviously, no chop Robinson was was concerning. Uh, you wanted to see how how the defensive line would respond. He's been our best pass rusher, obviously. Um, but there, there was some good push. Um, you know, Adisa Isaac was, was the leader, but uh, denied and Sutton had some nice, nice plays there where he was getting to the backfield. PJ Mustafer, obviously a force in the middle. Um, I, I thought it was a good game overall for our D line. I would have liked to see more pressure, honestly. Um, well, you know, we had one sack that was a, a combined sack from Carter and Hardy. Um, I would like to see a little bit more, but I agree with you. I think this was a nice performance for Adisa Isaac where, Hopefully he steps on that stone and continues to burst upwards. All right. Uh, my last award is the here to stay award. Ooh, here to stay. Okay. It's obviously not Sean Clifford because he's leaving fairly soon. <laughs> Correct. Um, this, is a, this is a guy we've talked about already a couple of times on this episode alone, but uh, this... I, I'll give it to you. This one's going to Abdul Carter. Abdul he's Carter, here to stay. Uh, eight tackles, which is second on the team, only behind Curtis Jacobs. Uh, he has half a sack, which I just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, and he just plays with such intensity that you cannot take him off the field. You cannot take him out of the starting lineup. He is here to stay. And I think this game forces James Franklin and Manny Diaz's hands to, to, to say, hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Um, he is one of the most talented players on the defense. Seeing what you can do with him and Jacobs on the field at the same time, I think was really eye-opening. Um, it was nice to be able to do that in a game like this, where you know, you know, the the atmosphere of a whiteout is going to help your defense, right? They had what five false starts, I think, something like that. Um, allow allows you to try some things, right? And it, it gave us this opportunity. Franklin, like I said, he said our. This was one thing that bothered me a little bit in his press conference. Uh, they asked him about like the run D and the linebackers. Uh, and he said, he said, our strength is our DB. So let's leave them on an Island and kind of load the box. Uh, would have loved to see that approach in a Michigan game, but yeah. better late, better late than never. Um, and then he said, he goes, we, we knew we were playing a running team. So we wanted three true linebackers on the field. Again, would love, love to see that in Michigan game, but whatever. We're not talking about that. Um, and when he says true linebackers, I think he's referring to like, you know, Sutherland is kind of a hybrid guy. Um, when you have Jacobs, uh, Jacobs, Abdul Carter, and I think Elson was was the primary middle linebacker. That gives you an opportunity to do some things and, and really shut down the run. I mean, we held Mo Ibrahim to 103 yards, I think it was, uh, 102 yards on 30 like less carries. Less three and a half yards a carry. Yeah, this is a guy who was averaging six yards per carry coming into this game. Uh, and Easily I think second our, best running back in the conference. Absolutely, if not number one. Um, yeah. No disrespect to Blake Corum, but like, I mean, this guy is, has been fantastic. So to have Carter and Jacobs do what they did, right? Overall, as a defense, seven tackles for loss, six QB hurries. Um, I think Abdul Carter was a huge part of that, and he is here to stay, mark my words. Love that. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely should be playing that well for most of the rest of the season. I'm okay with sliding Curtis Jacobs over on like the third and long, obvious passing situations where he's 
a little bit more seasoned and a, a little bit of a better, uh, you know, pass defender. But I mean, Abdul Card is a playmaker. You're, you're talking about a guy who's a true freshman who I, you know, is still learning the position prone to some freshman mistakes, but he's such a playmaker when he's right that you, you need him on there. Yeah. I mean, he, he's wearing the number 11, right? And that's, that's something that you give to a true freshman, man, you better be able to fill those shoes. And he's looking like, like it so far, you know, I'm not going to make a Micah, Micah Parsons comparison. I'm not saying that, but one of the things we loved about Micah was his instincts. Right. And I think we're seeing that even more in the NFL and his pass rush ability. But I think Abdul has flashes of that. His instincts are just so good that while he's learning the fundamentals and the techniques and continuing to get better all of that way, he can rely on his athleticism, his instincts, and just his maniacal motor to, to get to the ball. Um, so I'm really, really happy to see that production, and I, I think we're going to see a lot more of it going forward. Got that dog in him. Got that dog. Um, all right, what else from this game? What else uh, What else do you want to talk about? Um, let's see. I got some notes here. Uh, oh, one thing uh, Franklin talked about in his press conference that I thought was pretty interesting, I didn't know this. Uh, Minnesota, coming into this game, was actually number one in the country on third down conversion on both offense and defense. Um, we looked at their schedule. Obviously, like I said, I think they've played a pretty light schedule. So, you know, a lot of people coming in saying like, oh, they're one of the best defenses in the country. I took it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but we, we proved that we could handle that. Uh, coming into this game, they were uh, on third down. They were converting at a 66% clip, which is insane. Uh, we held them to 15%, two out of 13. Pretty damn good. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, their defense, number one in the country on third down, holding holding people to just a 21% conversion, which again is pretty insane. Uh, we converted at 45%, so over double that. Um, that. That's a huge factor in this game. And, and seeing that momentum, being able to get off the field, keeping drives alive on offense um, was just really, really crucial. It felt like we were in control pretty much from the second quarter on. Like I said, first quarter was a little frustrating. Um, at one point, it looked like we were going to go for it on fourth and short, and the punt team started running out of the field while the offense was still there, so that was a little concerning. Um, but overall, that that consistency and that that win on third down on both sides of the ball was really impressive. Yeah, I, I'd like to know, what was your, after the first couple, after the first quarter, where, you know, it was 3 nothing. What, what was your vibe feeling like? I was scared. Uh, because I, if you saw my tweets, I had a sizable wager on Penn state in the over. Uh, so for my pocket and my wallet, I was pretty scared. Um, but even that aside, just as a fan, it was, you were starting to get the vibes of, Oh no, here we go again. Like this is happening again. It's going to be a 14, 10 win or a 14, 10 loss. And I'm going to feel like shit leaving here. Um, it just, it looked like, it didn't look like we were lost or anything like that. It just looked like. We're, we're not quite ready almost. Um, and it, yeah. it was scary. It was scary. It was, you know, it, it was bad, but it was also weird. Cause it was like, not, not that I thought like at that point, Sean Clifford was playing great, but you know, I think the first drive, he completes two passes, but we don't get a first down. Mm -hmm. One of the completions is behind the receiver. So it's like, he's making a great throw. Yeah. Uh, Parker dove like, out for that one. But I was a little bit like, okay, well he's, he's hitting receivers. I feel like I, I'm not in love with, the way we're calling the game right now. Like I was more concerned with that actually than with yeah. him and until he threw that interception. Um, right. Then he comes back and he looks great in the second quarter. Um, and then, so I was watching at the, uh, the Britannia over in Santa Monica nice. uh, with some buddies and, you know, it's feeling so good in the second quarter. And then Minnesota drives down scores at the end and we're only up a touchdown going into halftime. And a lot of people were mad about that. 
Yeah, it's it's tough because Frank Franklin emphasizes that middle eight, the last four minutes of, of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. It it felt a little like uh, taking the wind out of our sails. Honestly, it felt like we had started gaining control. We were going to take this into halftime with a big lead. And then I think it was Ibrahim who scored. We were like, uh, OK, well, what's happening now? Like, is this is this about to turn? Because we knew they were getting the ball after halftime. So that was that was a little concerning. But. We come out after halftime, get a stop. I think that's where we got a hand on the punt. Um, shout out Dom DeLuca. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was definitely concerning, but I think that just kind of shows one, the grit of this team, right? I mean, we, we talked about, we talked about last week, that Michigan loss, I think was real personal to a lot of them. You know, PJ Mustafer said it, it was embarrassing, right? Like that's, that's something I think that stuck with them. And I, like I said, this, this crowd was, it was electric, man. It was loud. Um, Every every single uh, offensive possession for Minnesota, we were just screaming, which I know is par for the course. But like, it, it was good to see that we the crowd was completely in it. First quarter, yes, there were some boos. We talked about that. Yes, there were some frustrations. I think halftime that touchdown was a little frustrating, but like, kind of had the you know we're we're going to be okay. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I felt very differently from the rest of the bar when that happened, and only partially because I took Mo Ibrahim in in our touchdown survival. Pool. <laughs> true, um, true. Mostly because I I turned to my friend who was like really pissed. I was like, dude, look look at what just happened. Like we scored fourteen unanswered points. We're moving the ball on offense, and I mean, other than this, like, look at their ability to score. They like this is they have to do that drive every time if they want to score a touchdown. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Like it, it just isn't. So yeah. I, I, w- I was not worried going into halftime. I was like, Clifford looks good. He looks the best he's looked all year. Uh, the tight ends are involved. The running game is starting to open up and it's going to open up more, the better the passing game looks. And like they're, they're running a freshman quarterback out there who just like, I, I actually think he's got some ability because he made a really nice throw there at one point on the sideline. But like right now he's just not very good. And like, he's, they, like we're just stacking the box, making Ibrahim fight for every yard he gets. And like, that's just not a winning formula for Minnesota. Yeah. If if you're going to put the game on the arm of a true freshman quarterback who isn't a prized recruit, like I am very comfortable with that. Yeah. Agreed. Their quarterback, Kelly Manis, if I'm saying that right, finishes nine of 22, completes just nine passes for 175 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Shout out Jair Brown on that interception. Yeah. Um, that, that to me, that interception, I think, was when I was like, all right, game's over. It's sealed. We were up 24-10 in the third, feeling good already. And then that happened. Big interception. Uh, yeah. The receiver fell down. I don't think there was any penalty there. Uh, I was re- reviewing it today. I was like, oh, maybe they could have called something. But receiver kind of fell down. Jair's there playing center field and has a big return. Um, they, their quarterback was never going to beat us. Um, somebody on Twitter today, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, Tyler TK PSU said, uh, it's kind of hilarious that even at the end of the game, uh, as, as down as they were, PJ Fleck just kept beating Mo Ibrahim to get him his hundred yards. It was like, yeah. that, that was their goal. They knew they weren't going to do anything else. And sure. He got a hundred yards, but at what cost? So yeah, I agree with you. Um, it was, it was concerning in the first quarter by, by halftime, I was feeling pretty darn good. Um, and we just, we needed to keep the foot on the gas. Uh, that was my only thing. And what's your feeling on how does this game look if Tanner Morgan plays? Yeah. I don't think it's all that different. Um, it's different for sure. Because, you know, again, He's nine better. of 22, nine of 22 passing, like th- there was never a threat, 
Um, you know, 175 yards, a lot of that came on one play, I think, in the fourth quarter. They had that big play downfield. Um, it, it's different if Tanner Morgan plays, sure, but I think their identity is still so much through Mo Ibrahim that they would they would have stuck to that script maybe like 75% of what they actually did in this game. And I think I, I think I trust our secondary. Like even if Tanner Morgan was taking those shots, their receivers didn't scare me. Um, their, you know, their, their offensive scheme didn't really scare me. And I'm sure they would have taken different shots if it was Tanner Morgan, but I don't know. I feel confident enough in our secondary that I don't think it would have been all that different. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the defensive game plan would have been exactly the same. Um, I don't think Tanner Morgan presents enough of a problem for them to have to respect him that much. Um, I mean, he's, you're talking about, a, he's not a bad quarterback by any means. He had a really good year when he had like NFL caliber caliber wide receivers. Uh, yeah. But since then, they, you know, talking about a guy this year, who's got seven touchdowns, like five interceptions, mm-hmm. not overly impressive. It, it's, yeah. it's worse than the guy that we're in the stands booing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's a fun game. Cliff has a, a great performance uh, despite the booze. Um, the atmosphere was amazing. I've said it a couple of times, you know, this is uh, I've been to, I don't know, countless wideouts, all of them during my college career. I was at, uh, the one in 2019 against Michigan. This one was awesome. Um, we have a couple, you know what? We have a couple Twitter questions. I'll go to that. We had one uh, from, who was it? Was it Kegels? Said, was this uh, the loudest whiteout I've ever been to? Um, no, because the one in 2019 with Michigan was was probably the loudest. Getting, uh, getting them a call of timeout on the first play was pretty amazing. Um, but we got, we got Minnesota with some false starts real early. Um, it might've even been their first drive or first play that we got a false start on them. So, uh, was not the loudest one I've ever been to, but it was, it, it held up to the standard I expected. Um, they did something new this year where they had, uh, people download an app and it synced your phone to like the music they were playing. So your phone would like light up in the stands with the music looked fucking awesome. Um, I'm just looking out. I mean, I was in, uh, the North end zone. So looking out just as the entire stadium of all these lights flashing, it was really, really cool. Um, so great, great atmosphere. Um, absolutely what we needed. So really, really good game. And you're telling me Beaver stadium had the internet capacity to handle that. I was blown away by that. I don't It must not be through Wi-Fi because I couldn't get a single tweet out all game. I was able to get one out, uh, with my, me and my Miller light. I said beer and Beaver stadium. Uh, that was awesome too. Having beer in the stadium, man, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, decent prices, only ten bucks for uh, for domestic, twelve for uh, uh, what do they have? Premium? Not, yeah, I guess premium is like Blue Moon and something else. Um, that was fun, um, and overall, it was just a really good time. A um, couple other things that, uh, as we wrap up, I, I had written down um, the Mitchell Tinsley uncovered touchdown. That was that was driving down into the end zone. I was sitting at. I am screaming from my seat. There's no one on him. There's no one on him. Uh, so I was so happy that Cliff saw that. We were able to get that done. That was very, very nice. Um, the reverse to Omari Evans was a cool little wrinkle in the offense. We talked about, you know, Mike Yersich doing some other things. Uh, and then a shout out to Jake Pinnegar. Hit a 41-yarder. Uh, wasn't straight down the middle, but he cashed it. And then six for six on extra points. So overall, complimentary football as James Franklin would say. And, and I'm pretty happy with this performance. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, it was a very complete game. You know, they put up 17, um, one of ones in garbage time. You know, I'm and I, granted they're, they're playing handicapped with a, you know, a true freshman non-starter quarterback, but still they were pretty much shut down the whole day. 
Yeah, agreed. So let's wrap up with a couple of Twitter questions and, and comments that we have. We're, we're running through this episode pretty quickly. We'll read out some of the comments. Uh, our buddy Sweens says, tight, lamenting how we didn't use the tight end leak out concepts and throwing it up to Parker Washington's vertical against Michigan. All right. Thinking we just made things way more interesting for this week's game. I want to see every formation uh, and play that Mike Yersich can dream of. I think this was a nice turning point for Mike Yersich. Like this probably was his best game in a long time, you know, had a lot of versatility, got a lot of guys involved. And obviously an Ohio state defense is very different than a Minnesota defense, but would love to see more of that from him next week. Yeah. And listen, that was not a bad defense that we just did that against. So. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, CJ Scalzetti, shout out CJ. I got to meet him at the tailgate field. Uh, great guy. Guys hung out with him good. for yeah, hung out with him for like 20 minutes. We had some jello shots. Uh, it was a great time. Um, he writes in, I hate Fox Big Noon. Agreed. What's your feeling about uh, this game being Fox Big Noon kickoff? Um, I actually n- made my feelings known one time uh, to the head of programming at Fox. Really? Uh, yes. I caddied for him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I asked him, so I, I, I was like, are you the guy I have to talk to about Big Noon kickoff? I was like, because I hate it. He was like, oh, you hate the guys who work? It was like, no, I hate the fact that I have to wake up at 9 a.m. to watch football. Yeah. I hate the fact that the biggest game of the week is at noon. It's terrible. It's bad for football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't love it. Obviously, like, uh, people were saying, too, like, why do we have the whiteout against Minnesota and not Ohio State? Like, I'm okay with it, right? You know, we always Whiteout's have the whiteout. game. Yeah, exactly. We it always have the been, whiteout. It has been for almost a decade. I think the, the and last it time it wasn't was when it was when Alabama came. Right. And, and like, you know, we've always had it against the Ohio States and the Michigans. Like it's not fun losing those. So maybe there was some of that that went into it, but if Ohio state, so. if Ohio state was at night, I think it probably would have been that hundred percent. I think so, it, it, since the whiteouts become a national brand, it's been a night game every time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this game being a noon kickoff, obviously a very different vibe, I think, than if it were a night game, whiteout or not. I think the energy of Beaver Stadium is just different. So, you know, we're going to need, as James Trank would say, everyone in the community showing up early, being loud, getting there, getting there, ready to ready to have an impact in the game. Uh, CJ, CJ also says Bryce Effner is an unsung hero on that line for his versatility. Absolutely agree. Uh, this is another game where uh, Landon Tengel was out. We saw Sal Wormley get banged up. We saw Caden Wallace. Caden Wallace came out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bryce Efter, man. Yeah, he is. He is the Swiss Army knife, if you will, that can kind of fill in and play. I was going to say adequately, but I, I'd say probably even more than that. Like, I would he, say better, better than average football. Yeah, better than average football. So, yeah, this is a game where we didn't really talk about the O-line, which is <laughs> probably a good thing. Um, I didn't have a lot of concerns. There were plenty of plays where Cliff had a ton of time, uh, especially coming off the play action, uh, where he was able to sit back in the pocket, find his guy, set his feet, and deliver. So shout out Bryce Hefner, shout out the whole offensive line. Uh, Yoki PSU says, how concerned should we be with the inanity? I think it's supposed to say inability. How yeah. concerned should we be with the inability to hit shots downfield, especially with Ohio State coming next week in a potential shootout? What do you think about this question? I mean, I think we should be less concerned considering we've yeah. been doing it better. Yeah, I was going to um, say, this This game actually, doesn't seem like the right one to ask that question. Past two weeks, I've seen Sean Clifford throw his best deep balls ever. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it didn't lead to much against Michigan, but he's he's stretching the field actually better than he has at any point during his career. Um, 
I, I, I think with the tight ends getting involved, making them legitimate options, seam routes up the middle, th- those, those are chunk plays, man. Th- those are 15 to 30 yard plays when those happen. Uh, and you add that into that creates space for the running room for the running game. You know, like this, I think the inability to make big plays is on the way up, if anything. Yeah, I agree. I think I, that, that's why I was a little taken aback by this question because I thought we did it pretty well uh, this game, save for the interception, which was uh, it was an overthrow. We've seen Cliff do that time and time well, again. It, it, it wasn't as much of an overthrow as it was to the wrong shoulder. Uh, the, the, the distance fair. of the if you watch it, the distance of the throw actually isn't bad. It's on the wrong side of the receiver. Okay, because he's kind of coming across the field. Yeah, it's coming and, across the middle, and the safety is a little behind him. So you're saying he threw it to like his back right shoulder when he should have led him to the left. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. I can live with that. Um, so that happens. But like you said, you have, you know, the deep shots at Tinsley on, on the left sideline. We saw the one, what was the last week, the deep shot to Omari, not to Omari, to, to Trey Wallace, which was a yeah. nice deep ball. Um, we already talked about the one to Parker was great. And I, I think agree, like Ohio State, if you're going to beat Ohio State, we're 15 and a half point underdogs. You're not going to do it by getting three and four yard plays here and there. You're not going to get it with the little flat routes or those short crossing routes. You're going to have to get those medium deep shots. Um, I feel better about it after this game. I, I, I have some hope that we'll be able to. And I think the biggest part will be can our O-line hold up against, you know, what is typically a very good Ohio State pass rush. Um, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't followed them much this season to know what their numbers are, but typically they've got they have, one very good pass rusher like usual. Zach Harrison. Yeah. Yeah, he's a beast. Um, number 44. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Um, um yeah, I mean, what actually what I'm really uh encouraged by is not only Clifford's ability to throw the deep ball the past two weeks, but his willingness to make some of those throws. Yeah, like that, that that Parker Washington throw, I think, is one you don't see him the the touchdown is one I don't think you see him normally make. And there's even, a lot of t- the, there's a lot of times he takes a sack on that. Yeah, and even the interception, actually. I the fact that he made that throw, I mean, like kind of over the middle of the field where he tends to avoid. Uh, but, you know, it was at a point in the game where he's going, well, we, you know, look at the way they're, they're in the, they're all in the box. Yep. The only way to stop that is to stretch the field. I'm, yeah. I'm glad he took the shot. It didn't work then, but like flow of the game wise, you gotta, you gotta take those shots. Yeah. And like I said before, it almost felt like on a lot of those plays, he's about to get hit. Uh, he, he has the, you know, the free play. A lot of them felt like it was like a, a fuck it. I'm going to throw it up, see what happens, which like, you don't want a guy playing reckless, but yeah, you want some carefree attitude. You want, you want him feeling comfortable taking those shots. And I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe coming after the loss, thinking about, you know, this is my last whiteout, this is my last season. Maybe he's starting to feel some of that of like, I'm just going to take some more of these shots. I got, I got nothing to lose kind of thing. And if that's the case, kudos to you. Keep doing it. Um, Joe F offensive line deserves credit for their play. Yes. We've talked about that. Uh, he says, has Cliff already played his best game or is it still ahead of him? Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to top like a 75% completion percentage, but I, I gotta be honest with you. If he goes out and plays similar to this, let's, let's say he completes 70% of his passes for 250 yards and three touchdowns against Ohio state. I mean, depending on what it, what it looks like in the outcome of the game, like you, you could argue that's a better game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In a spot where, you know, you're going against the number two team in the country, you know, your season is on the line, so to say Um, your career maybe is on the line. So to say Uh, that would be fantastic if we get that out of him. So um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Ohio state. 
if we play them close, if he continues to start for the rest of the season. I'm not going into that conversation right now, but just saying, uh, I, I think he played a really, really good game against Minnesota, and I'm just going to enjoy that for what it is. I think he'd have to play really abysmally to not start at this point. Agreed. Agreed. I'm just, I gotta, gotta, get, gotta get my jabs in there. Uh, uh, Drew Cagle also says, sour note, do you think any of our running backs will look into transferring for lack of playing time? I don't think we have running backs that can transfer at this point, Drew. Uh, we're uh, down, we're down to, I mean, Kevon would be the only one. Yeah. Because I, I think Katron and uh, Singleton know that they're both getting some good reps. I, um, I think they're happy with that too. You're both true freshmen. You're 100%. both playing really well. Like you got to be happy with that. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I mean, Kevon, it's a possibility, but they've kept him as a fairly active part of the offense. Um, yeah, yeah he I wasn't. Mean, he, he could transfer to a smaller school if he wants to, um, but I just, I don't think he really has much of an NFL skill set. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it'll make a huge difference. And I mean, if he wants to just do it just for playing time, I'm, I'm sure he could. But I think yeah, like I'm, Tank Bigsby has been who Tank Bigsby Bigsby is for his whole career. He's the fourth running back on the depth chart. And Tank Smith. I'm gonna, Tank Smith. Bigsby's Tank from B- Auburn. Bigsby's from Auburn. <laughs> Not um, a lot of tanks. It's okay to get yeah. him confused. Uh, you know, he's been the fourth running back on the depth chart, and he comes in every now and then, and it, you know, does his thing. Yeah, I think, I think with our running back room, you saw Keziah Holmes transfer. You saw Devin Ford leave the program. Um, I'll never say that's a good thing because, like, it's not. You always want to have depth. But it's kind of a little bit of a blessing in disguise where you get both of these freshmen the opportunity to play. And, you know, Kevon, he wasn't dressed for this game. I don't know if there's an injury going on or something. I think he came out for warm-ups, but then he wasn't suited up for the game. Um, could I see him transferring at the end of the year? Maybe, right? Probably means we need to add another guy in, in this recruiting class or – hit the transfer portal ourselves. Um, it's tough when you have two really, really special talents as freshmen because you want to play them as much as possible, which we're obviously doing, but you want to maintain your depth and you want to maintain, you know, in case of injury, knock on wood, uh, you want to have have a lot of talented players that can come in and be that next guy up. So I don't know. I don't think it's anything we have to worry about during the season and the off season, maybe, maybe with Kevon, but not too worried about it right now. Yeah. Um, that is all I got for this game. 45-17, Penn State wins it, 6-1, and one, up to number 13 in the AP poll, playing the number two team in the country next week. We'll do a preview episode later uh, later this week, but Pat, what's your, what's your you know, two-sentence feeling on, on this game? A lot more hopeful than I was two weeks ago. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I will, I will own my tweets you know, with my whole heart. I, I tweeted out, if we can't hang with Michigan, we have zero chance against Ohio State. Do I think we win? I don't know, but I am, like you said, a lot more optimistic. If we're going to win, we have to play like we did against Minnesota. Yeah, you got you to play damn near perfect football. Uh, Ohio State's a very good team. We'll break it down later this week. We'll go into the matchups, uh, their offense versus our defense, our offense versus their defense, uh, the turnover battles. You know what can what can sway what can sway the tides and give us a chance. Uh, We'll break all that down later this week, but thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, If you have questions for the preview later this week, I'll tweet it out. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want to talk about, and uh, enjoy this win. We are.